tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's not the hope we're talking about today. Because it does not have to be past tense like it did not become true. Because we understand what Jesus has done. When we lose hope, we've lost everything. These disciples lost hope because they didn't understand. They should have. They should have known the Old Testament. They should have known what the scripture said about the coming Messiah. They had been following Jesus along with the disciples throughout his three and a half years of ministry. They, like the disciples, they missed some things concerning what Jesus was going to have to do. And Jesus was straightforward with them and will be with us too if we're not understanding. He said, how foolish you are, how slow to believe, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. They should have known. And my friends, we should know as well. We should know that we don't come to a place when our life is chaotic, when there enters into our personal lives issues that seem insurmountable, whether it be health or finance or children or grandchildren or spouse. I mean, it's a gamut of things that can put our world upside down and in the midst of that you have to understand that hope is there that jesus is giving us that hope i don't want to hear those words how foolish how slow to believe i am the one giving you the hope of the abundant life here and in the life to come eternal life no matter what the circumstances you face here, you can have hope because I have promised it and I will give it. And through the power of the Spirit that is indwelt within you, He will guide you through every single circumstance of life. Hope is the key. Christmas 1982, it was my first Christmas as pastor of First Baptist Church in Las Lunas, New Mexico. I was still working on my master's degree in Fort Worth at Southwestern Seminary and just flying back and forth every weekend. Did that for about almost two years. Uh, but this Christmas, it was special because my brother and his wife, they dropped by Las Lunas. They picked me up and off we were heading to Lindreth, New Mexico. Lindreth, New Mexico is really in the northern part, uh, northwestern uh, part of uh, New Mexico. You go up past uh, Cuba on the way to Farmington, and then there's this little road that you take off to Regina, and then over to Lindreth. 
My dad was a regional missionary in that area and also pastored that Lindreth Baptist Church. We were so excited about this Christmas. It was, uh, it was a time that uh, was going to be with family, mom and dad, my brother and myself and his, my brother's wife. And so he picked me up in this, uh, this uh, long vehicle, along with a trailer behind it that was empty because he was going to bring some of that great Lindreth firewood back to where they were living in West Texas. It was going to be a great time, and off we went. And we had to wait till after our morning service was done, and we took off, and we got off the road at Cuba, on to Regina, then to Lindreth, with it dark, snowy, and icy. My brother was not an experienced ice driver. I wasn't either, of course. And all of a sudden, something happened. Probably has happened to a few of you. That car went out of control. That, uh, that uh, uh, empty trailer just started moving back and forth and whipping everything around. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves in a ditch with the car pointing up, with the trailer pointing up the other direction, and right in the middle of that ditch, we were stuck. My brother and I got out, and we uh, tried to figure ways to dig ourselves out of there. There was nothing. It was dark. It was late. It was freezing. And besides that, the coyotes or the wolves were howling not far from us. <laughs> I was not happy. We did, down the way, see one light in this desolate place. But who in the world is going to go knock on a door that late in the middle of nowhere but you know what in the back of my mind i knew my dad he'll come and find us there was a time that we were supposed to be there my dad was always willing to come to help to be there it was a promise that he kept and so sure enough about 30 minutes later we were all shivering here came these lights on that desolate road, and I thought to myself, that's Dad. And sure enough, here he comes up in his 1975 Ford Pinto. <laughs> How in the world did he make that ice on a Ford Pinto? <laughs> but he was experienced. I was never so happy to see him. You see, I wasn't disappointed because my dad took us to safety. He was the deliverer. He fulfilled the promise that he always told us that I will be there for you. You can count on me as long as I'm breathing. Hope. Hope is the key. In Luke chapter 2, verses 28 through 34, we see that hope of Simeon. Our ensemble read this, but I want to focus on a few of those sentences. In verse 28, he said, Simeon took, took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of the nations. A light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign, 
that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your soul too. Here we find foreshadowing of what is to come. Simeon understood that the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world through the incarnation on that beautiful, beautiful night, it was not the fulfillment. There was more to come, and it was going to cause her much pain. God had told us the deliverer Hope will come. And here Simeon says, says, you have fulfilled your promise. Because the promise to Simeon was he would not die until he saw the hope of Israel, the Messiah. God was, was true to his promise. And he's true to us. And he's true to the deliverer because Jesus has now come. Listen, that's why we celebrate Christmas. We this beautiful worship center and, and how it's decorated gives us that understanding that in uh, that, that that's the season it's it's the time of hope it's the time of joy it's the time of celebration why is that celebration why do we come to this first day of advent and light the candle the candle of hope because we have that hope within us it's a hope that nothing else can extinguish or fill if you don't have that hope then you go through life empty and hopeless and dreading the day that you breathe your last. Listen, the hope, it comes, yes, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, but it also comes through the completed salvation story, which means and brings us to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The completed salvation story. You're asking the question, hope through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus? Why? How? Well, that takes us to Isaiah chapter 53, the prophecy about the coming Messiah and what he was going to suffer. The ensemble, they told us and spoke the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, but I want to take a few words and I want you to hear the emphasis that I give because it relates to each one of us. In verse 4 through 6, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's no finger pointing anywhere except right at ourselves. The reason that Jesus had to go through not only the incarnation, but the crucifixion, the burial, and three days later the glorious resurrection is because of all the hours here. O-U-R-S, our transgressions, our iniquities, our pain, our suffering, how we have turned away. But you see, Jesus fulfilled 
not only the prophecy, but the promise, the hope that Jesus has given. <coughs> Remember what Jesus said on the road to Emmaus. In Luke 2, 26 and 27, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Right in front of them, did he not have to suffer these things? 800 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah communicated that clearly. Jesus communicated clearly to these disciples who had hoped he would redeem Israel. Some of you might be losing some of your hope. You might be discouraged. But listen, don't be discouraged. Jesus, who suffered all of these things, did it for you to give you hope, to give you understanding that after this life, it is going to be incredible. And in this life, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how difficult it is, he is there to give you that inner peace. He is there to give you that inner joy. He's there to give you that inner hope that nothing can take away. Remember the angel said in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he will save his people from their sins. That's why he had to suffer. Throughout his ministry on earth, he taught that he came with a purpose. And that purpose was to be obedient, to do the, the Father's will. He stated in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. You see, he provided salvation through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so we must remember that daily and not forget. Not just make it a footnote in our life. Something that at the point of our salvation, it was real. But as we've lived the Christian life over these years, we've just simply not thinking, thought about the, uh, the, the suffering as much. And when we observe the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of his sacrifice. When we absorb the Lord's Supper, we are committing ourselves to be about the work as Christ was about his work. His work, his purpose was to die. To die for us. To pay for all of our sins. And to be resurrected. And he left us here with Christ in our lives. The Spirit guiding us and empowering us to do something amazing, not just for ourselves, but to share that hope. Paul reminds us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, the hope that Jesus gives is the key. 
It's the key for happiness in our lives. It's the key for us to be able to go through anything, but also it is the key for us to proclaim the good news to the entire world. As we observe the Lord's Supper, not only is a beautiful symbolism of the bread that represents the body of Christ, the broken body, the juice that represents the blood of Christ, the sacrifice. But why did he do it? He did it so that we could live and so that we could share. That's why the last words before he ascended into heaven in the glory was to say, go and make disciples. Share the good news. Share it. That's what our commandment is. We're to share the hope. We have it, and we should live it out. But also, we need to tell others. We need to be the people of hope, sharing the good news, not those that are, are trying to be afraid. We need to be able to encourage and help others know, this is why I have this hope that is within me. It's Jesus. Back in 1990, there was a song that was written for simultaneous revivals, Here's Hope, Jesus Cares for You, by Oliver Wells. He writes, He knows the common man who toils beneath the sun. He knows the woman well whose work is never done. He's shown us that he loves and cares for us all who freely give to those who give of joyful heart. Here's hope for all the world. Jesus cares for you with the love that changes hearts and strength that will renew. The friend that never fails, he stands forever true. Here's hope, Jesus cares for you. And listen, he cares for you so much that he sacrificed. He didn't have to. He had the glories of heaven. He helped create everything, including you. But he saw our sin. And he chose to come. And it's not a matter if you call upon his name, you wish, crossing your fingers, knocking on wood, that he's going to save you. There's nothing biblical about that. The reality is when you call upon his name, he says you will be saved. It is a promise. It is a hope that is a for sure thing. You can count on it. This is what he offers you. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, whether you're in this worship center or whether you're at home watching, you can give your life to him because his body was broken, his blood shed for you. You can have everlasting life, but you need to call upon him and he will save you. For the believers here today, this is a time of commitment for you as well. It's a time for you to reflect. Is it possible that you're not as hot for the Lord as you used to be? Is it possible that you've kind of let things slide and, and in the midst of this pandemic that you, you have allowed some fear to keep you from sharing the gospel of Christ, the good news, the proclamation that he talks about? Well, listen, as we observe the Lord's Supper, this is a time that you can do just that. It's a time of recommitment. And as we prepare to come and take the Lord's Supper and take it back to our pews and sit in those moments of reflection, I ask you to let God powerfully speak to you, his presence to experience in your life 
to make a renewed commitment to be all that he wants you to be, to fulfill the purpose he has for you, just like Jesus had his purpose. This is a time of recommitment. So I ask you and those at home, during this time of the Lord's Supper, as we take these elements, make sure your heart is prepared, that your soul is pure, and your mind obedient. Father, as we move into this time, we observe the Lord's Supper, and there are decisions being made between individuals and you, recommitment of salvation. I pray, God, that you would help us to understand your son's sacrifice. And Lord, what you call us to do, to rise above the crowd and to be the ones that share the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. We do it boldly. And so, Father, prepare our hearts and our minds in this very special time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As our deacons are in place, I wanted to remind you that you'll be asked from the back of the worship your cup, uh, your cup of juice and bread, and then just take it back with you, and there they'll tell you exactly what to do. But to go back to your pew, they are nestled together. I would encourage you to take the juice and just put it in the pew in front of you so that you don't have to worry about two hands. And today, if you're not able to get up and to come, as the service progresses, if you'll just raise your hand, we have deacons who will bring your juice and your bread to you. And at home, if you would prepare for this Lord's Supper as well, this will be a time that is special. Let's observe the Lord's Supper.
The scripture tells us, in the scripture that we read, 1 Corinthians, it tells us in verses 23 and following, For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Pray with me, please. Father, we come this morning to reflect upon the bread that is symbolic of your body. And Father, I will tell you that I don't completely understand. I, I don't know the depth of what your son went through. But I know that his back was lacerated. I know that he was beaten in the face. I know that there was a crown of thorns that was placed upon his head, and it was pressed down. I know that there was a spear in his side. No holes in both of his hands and his feet. And Lord, I... I can't imagine, but I'm thankful and I'm humbled that he was willing to go through not only the physical agony, but the spiritual battle against Satan to eradicate and pay for our sin. Father, I am thankful. In the season of thanksgiving, of gratefulness, of joy and celebration, He said, take heed, this is my body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembrance. Remembrance is a very special thing. And that's why I encourage you every day to remember what Christ has done. Because it will fuel you to challenge you to be all that he wants you to be. Father, as we prepare to take this cup and to drink this juice, symbolic of your blood flowing on Mount Calvary, we do understand that you did it for us. We do understand it's the new covenant, and we're to share that new covenant everywhere we go. We're to share the hope and the good news of Christ. And I pray this morning in the preparation of our hearts that as we drink this, we are committing ourselves anew to communicate the joy and the hope in Christ to everyone we meet. It's in his name we pray. The scripture says that when they had sung a hymn, they went out. And do you know where they went? They went down the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives. And then 
the process began. The prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But if not, I will do it. And he did. And he did for us. And it wasn't the end because the resurrection was three days later. Joyous. And he gave the commission to all of us as we leave here to go and to make disciples, to be witnesses, to share the hope. And that's my challenge to you today. In this Christmas season, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we go from this place sharing what Christ has done. I pray it's a challenge for you. And I pray that when you leave, you will not forget, but daily be in remembrance. Let's stand. We'll have our closing prayer. And as we pray and as we go, remember, you're leaving this training place and you've got a mission field right where you live. Let's accomplish the desire that God has for us. Bow with me, please. <clears throat> Holy Father, you are the Lord of all creation. We are grateful to be able to come together in this house of worship to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are so thankful that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself upon the cross of Calvary so that we would not have to pay the consequences of our own sin. This celebration reminds us to fill our hearts with hope from his sacrifice, hope for us and our future. Go with us this week and remind us every day of the hope that you provide. In Jesus' name I pray.